Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing sermon for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook, grab a pen, and get ready to hear of the more that God has for us. Awesome, lovely to see you all this morning. My name is Gabe Phillips. Uh, If you do not know me, uh, and maybe you've seen me and you see, wow, look at this strapping figure, look at this well-built physique, look at this handsome guy. Is he a model? Is he a pastor? I'm not too sure. I know, I know, I know. A lot of you struggle with that thought a lot of times. But um, I, I, I haven't always been this confident, upfront guy. You see, in my teenage years, I, I was a bit nervous. I was a little bit insecure. I was a little bit uh, shy and retiring. I know it's hard to imagine this, but I actually went through this phase where I would dye my hair black. My mother warned me that I would look back and regrets, and I just I thought, no, 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 mom, you don't know what, you don't know it. But it was this, it was, I had heard all the jokes, I'd been told that gingers didn't have souls, I, I, was, I, was, I was sick and tired of all the humor, and I just thought, no, I just want to blend in with the crowd. I don't want to be the guy that's picked out, I don't want to be the one that's picked on by teachers, picked on by friends, I just want to be, I don't want to be the butt of the jokes, I just want to be in the crowd. Mingle, mingle with the crowd, boys, let's do that. But um, what, what I didn't know is that as I dyed my hair black with my pale complexion, I was mingling better with the white walls than with the crowd because I would dif- disappear into pictures and I would often have the response. People would come up to me and say, shame, are you sick? No, just, just pale with black hair. Um, and uh, those, those photos have been scrubbed from the internet, so they're no longer there, I'm pretty sure. You have to go deep into the dark web to find them there, but... Uh, but what was quite significant was, as God started, and maybe it sounds a bit silly and a bit presumptuous on my, my part, but as God started to rewire my heart as an insecure teenager and start to embed his identity in me and remind me of who I was, uh, not just as a human being, but as a son of the living God, and that he had put something great upon my life, and as I started to believe that more and more and come into agreement with what God has spoken about me, not what, what my insecurities declared, that coincided with my move to Cape Town. And in, the, in that season, it almost was like this crazy season when I arrived, it felt like a tiger had arrived from, Cape, from Durban because my hair was black, but the roots started to come through. So it was hidden tiger crouching ginger. It was just beautiful. And people were like, whoa, what is he? This is like just a, an incredible illusion. Who is he? What is he? Man of mystery. And it was almost like this time where I just, it was like almost just like saying, I'm going to be who I'm called to be. And it wasn't just as a, as a redhead, as a, as a faithful Ed Sheeran fan. Come on, people. We all stick together. But it was actually because I really believe that as I came into Cape Town, I felt almost like God was saying, hey, this is what I created you for. This is what I've made you for. I've called you to stand up. I've called you not to mingle with the crowd. I've called you to be somebody who's going to be a, a spearhead, a catalyst for what I want to do in this great city of Cape Town. Uh, maybe it's presumptuous of me, so I've got the microphone, so I'll, I'll, I'll do the talking if that's all right. But, uh, but you know what? When I've been thinking this little season of, of Cape Town, as, I, as almost in a sense, I really believe that God is poising us in a, in a sense like that insecure teenager, finding our feet as a church, finding our feet as a congregation, finding our feet in this city, and finding our place, that we're not just here to mingle with the crowd and make up the numbers, that actually God's called Life Changes Century City to stand out, to lead the charge, that actually I feel that we're coming into who we are more and more, that in this new season, and not just as a church communal, but actually as individuals, I want to call you out of hiding. I want to call you out of your masks, out of your, uh, excuse the metaphor, the masks. Uh, I want to call you from behind the white picket fence. I want to call you from just the, the charade of trying to keep things together. Actually, God has designed you in, for a reason. He's placed you in the city for a reason. And I believe the Bible calls us, Isaiah prophetic says, arise and shine for your light has come. And I really believe that. Maybe you're new in the city. Maybe you've been here for a couple months. Maybe you've been here for many years. I want to help us reframe our existence here. Because I really believe, as I look at Cape Town, 
I can hear the headlines. I can read the stories. I know the stats that Cape Town, Cape Town is a hard city. It's a hard city. It's a, it's a lonely city. It's a, people will tell it's a click city. You know, you won't be able to, you won't be able to find real friendships. It's just, it's hard work. It's, it's hard to live here. It's, it's a broken city with sin and debauchery and chaos and, and, and theological views that are so wild and, and ranging on all the, the, the left and the right spectrum. And, and it's just, it's a broken city. It's also a divided city where you're like, there's lots of, there just seems like not a lot of unity around common things unless it's the wrong things. But I want to tell you, as I look afresh, I want to call us to look afresh at this city. I believe it's a revival city. I believe this broken, this hard, this divided city is called by Almighty God to be a revival city. A place that God is going to show His glory the greatest. Because as we sang it today, you see bones, I believe God is saying, I see an army. I believe God is saying today, you see graves, He sees gardens. He says, you see seas, I see highways. He says, you see failure, He says, I see future. And that's what I really want us to understand today, because it is the prerogative of the Heavenly Father to name things. It's His job to name things. That is who God is. So in page one, it was the Father who named things. He declared it into existence, and He says His Word does not stop calling things that are not as if they are. And He's wanting to do it for you and I. He's wanting to do it fresh for me. So let's pray. Father, I thank You for Pentecost Sunday. I thank You, Spirit of the living God, that You were poured out all those years ago, and you have not been withdrawn ever since, that you are here on earth. And we thank you, Father, you're here to make your, your church come alive. You're here to put fire in our bones. You're here to remind us of the mission. You're here to make much of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, would you stir our hearts afresh in a new way today as we come out of hiding, as we come back to our roots. I thank you, Father God, that we'll pick up the roots a revival. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Why don't you tell your neighbor the title of my sermon? It is Roots of Revival. Tell them that. Just tell them. That's what we're listening to today. Come on. Roots of Revival. As I mentioned, it's the prerogative of the Father to name things or rename things. And before we get to my main text today, there's a story in Genesis 35 that's very dear to my heart. It's a narrative of Jacob and Rachel the last born of the, the, the sons of Jacob is about to be born, and Rachel is, is in a bad way. This son has given her a really rough pregnancy. It's really been a hard run. It's been a hard season of life, a battle against Leah and the other women who, who are giving birth to the sons of Jacob, and it's just been quite an antagonistic season, not a good season. And Scripture in Genesis 35 speaks of Rachel. She says, as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she gave birth, and she called her last son, Benoni, Benoni, which means son of suffering, son of my suffering, son of my sorrows. In a sense, as she gave birth, it was such a painful birth that she actually led to her death, that she called this child Benoni, son of suffering, son of my sorrows. But then the scripture doesn't stop there. It goes on and says, but his father Jacob, in that moment as she died, as that son came out, his father called him Benjamin. Changed his name in that moment, was declared by a dying mom who saw only from her perspective of pain, called him Ben Onai, son of suffering, son of my sorrows. He said, no, I'm going to call him Ben Jamin, which means son of my authority, son of my right hand. Now, it's such an amazing thing, when I, a reality when we see this, we realize that it's the prerogative of our heavenly father to name things, to declare things. But it's the, the lens of humanity to declare our situations by the pain we feel. 
We define our seasons by what we're going through. And I, I really believe that I think a lot of us have allowed our pain to become our identity. We've allowed our sickness to become our identity. We've allowed our depression to become our identity. We've allowed our, 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 bad, our terrible experience with our boss to become our identity. We've allowed our, 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 our failure to become our identity. We've allowed our business failure to become our identity. We've allowed our marriage and the conditions we're facing to be our identity. The only lens we see and we cry out, Ben or I, son of my suffering. We call it suffering and we call it of sorrow. But actually God says, no, it's the Father's prerogative to name things. It's, our, it's the Father, but the Father wants to speak now. Maybe your situation feels like it's at death's door. Maybe you feel like you've run out of hope. But I won't tell you, the Father wants to step in and rename things. He wants to speak things in this moment. And this is the incredible thing. Why I have such courage about this? This is not some theology about name it and claim it and declare it. No, no, no. I love in that text there, so huge. Because in that moment, as she says, Ben or I, son of my suffering, son of sorrows, he says, no, no, no. I'm going to declare this is Benjamin, son of authority, son of, right, that of the right hand. Can I tell you something right there? I see a man named Jesus Christ who embraces both. Because Jesus took on both titles. He took, he says, I am the son of suffering. I'm a man of sorrows acquainted with your grief. I've been to the place you've been. But he says, but that's not where the story ends. Because the father said on, on Sunday when he rose again from the grave, he said, I have become the son of authority. And the father says, I've given him the name that's above every other name. And he's seated at the right hand of the father. In that moment, Jesus is not, he's, or he is Benoni and he is Benjamin, the greater, establishing, I know your grief, but I know what I've called you to. He says, you see graves, I see, I see gardens. You see the cross, I see the resurrection. He says, I see your failure, but he says, but I see your future. And this is the encouraging thing. When we get a glimpse of Jesus, he's a God who reaches down into our story and always wants to pull us forward. But today, I want to remind you and I of what he has called us to. I want to remind you and I of our roots. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. One verse, people. One verse today. This incredible promise of Jesus to a group of disciples who are hiding. Jesus has died. And he's rose again, but they are hiding, they're nervous, they're they are worried, they've, got, they've retreated back into, they've gone back to fishing, they're trying to navigate their journey. In a sense, they've thrown on the hair dye and mingle with the crowd. Just let's mingle with the crowd, we don't want to stick out, we've, we've tried to step, take a step out, and it seemed like it ended in failure. But Jesus comes to them and he declares to them this reality, he says, I want to tell you in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's a good scripture. We just said amen with that. Come on, it's a good scripture. Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Let me just break this down for you and I. It says, you shall receive. Can you say the word receive? receive? Not achieve, not earn, not work your way to, not get to a sort of criteria. No, receive a free gift. Amen. You shall receive. Then it says, power, power resurrective power, earth-shattering, life-changing, sin-destroying, life-creating, demon-chasing power. You shall receive, not earn, not, not work your way up to you, power, game-changing power. And then it says, when, when, not if, not maybe, but when. This is a, a statement of fact Jesus declares over humanity, over his followers, is when, the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of Jesus that, that, that makes Jesus known to us, that, that comes and makes a, quickens our heart to repentance and restores all that as the desertion, the deep things of the Father, makes it known to us. The Spirit of Jesus, but this is an incredible thing. It's something that's from heaven that's sent to earth. 
Not something that's from earth that we need to work our way up. It's remarkable that Genesis chapter 11 is about the people of God building the Tower of Babel. as something from earth to heaven because they said we want to be like God. And it says in that moment that actually they started speaking different languages, different tongues. But in Acts 2, we see the reality, the Holy Spirit comes from heaven to earth, and they're speaking different languages and speaking different tongues. It's the same sort of reality saying, actually, you think you can make your way to God, but that will always fall short. Let me tell you, when God comes to you, it changes everything. The Holy Spirit, you shall receive, not earn, not work your way into, you shall receive power, life-changing, sin-destroying, demon-chasing power, when, not if, not maybe, but when the Holy Spirit, a heaven-to-earth game-changing reality, comes upon, I love that word, comes upon. If you want to understand the, the root the reality of that word, comes upon, you could, have the, you could supplement it with the words, comes toward, comes on, or comes into you. Those are three realities that we could use. That, that's actually the words that are used when Jesus has his baptism and he comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit descends upon him. The, the original language cannot translate it exactly. It says, it, if the Holy Spirit came toward Jesus, it says, or, or it might mean it came, it came on Jesus, or it says maybe it came into Jesus. So when the word says comes upon you, it contains all three facets. Coming towards you, meaning the Holy Spirit is coming towards you, means that you found favor with him. You find favor with him. You say, no, but I, I, I see my shame. He says, no, no, I see, your fa- I see my favor upon your life. I've designed you to have my Holy Spirit come towards you. You feel I've been pulling away from him. He says, no, I'm coming towards you. It says this, the reality comes on. That's so, so, that is an anointing and an empowering. You might like, I'm just so weak. I give in to all my addictions every time. I give in to every time. I, I say, I won't get angry. I won't get angry. Then something happens. I flare up and I go, oh, what's wrong with me? I just don't. No, he says, I want to empower you. I want to give you supernatural empowering from heaven to say no when you should say no, to say yes when you should say yes. And then it says this reality says, comes into you, reminding us that this is the divine union and intimacy, that he wants to make himself known to you. He wants you to know him. He wants himself to know you in a deep, intimate relationship. When the Holy Spirit comes upon, and then the final word is probably one of my favorites, you. You shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, who was he talking to? Disciples who had failed, who had fled, who had feared, who had forsaken. He said, no, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Not somebody morally superior, not somebody intellectually superior, not somebody who's been around the block a bit of church and I've done this and now I know how to do it. No, no, he says it to you. First Sunday here, he says it to you. Hundredth Sunday here, he says to you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then this, the narrative explodes to life as these disciples take that reminder. They go up into the upper room and they're waiting. They're waiting they're nervously, not knowing, hiding out from the, the Roman elite too. And they're hiding from the, 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 the Pharisees, the religious elites. And they're hiding from their future. They're actually still hiding behind the die. They're hiding in the, in the, in the, up here in this moment, closed environment, saying, actually, what... what Hiding from the roots that God has got for them. But this is the reality. What happened? We realize that then the Holy Spirit falls and everything changes. Everything changes. It changes everything about them. They are not the same. It, is, it just totally and, and impossibly changes them forever. Irrevocably forever. And this is the three things I want to leave you with. In that moment, we see something called the church is born in Acts chapter 2. The church. What you and I are doing today, what we are, what we are trying to do as a, the people of God, was birthed in Acts chapter 2 
on a day called Pentecost. And I want to tell you, it was not birthed by uh, a committee. It was not birthed with a whiteboard. How, what denominations? Let's talk it through, guys. No, it wasn't birthed with old men in long robes, having long religious debates. No. Number one, I want to tell you, the church was birthed in fire. In fire. That word Pentecost means the word 50. It's, a, it's the Greek word for 50 gets its root there. And if we, if we reverse our, our, our Christian narrative back to the book of Exodus, you'll realize in the book of Exodus, where we've gone on this journey, this move again journey for the last few months, from the moment God sets his people free with the blood of the lamb on the doors and sets them free, from that moment, there's 50 days, from that moment, they walk through the water, they go into the wilderness, 50 days later is Mount Sinai where the law is given. It's 50 days, 50 days from freedom to the law be given on Mount Sinai. And this is an incredible reality that we realize that from the cross, the death of Jesus, with the blood of Jesus put upon the door frames of our lives, declaring our freedom, there is 50 days from that moment until Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out. I love the Bible. It's, it's just, you can't make this stuff up. It's just incredible because this is God's divine orchestration. But here's what's remarkable. That mountain of Mount Sinai was known as a mountain of fire. And it was a fire, as the fire fell, the incredible reality, the fire came on that, that reality, on that mountain. And the Bible tells us that the, the Israelites stand at a distance. But then it said that they came, some of them came and touched the mountain, because God forbid them, don't touch the mountain of fire. But as they touched the mountain, the, they touched the fire, 3,000 were put to death at Sinai. But what is remarkable is that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, we told that the church was birthed in fire as fire came down. But now the people of God in, in Sinai touched the fire and they died. But here's the incredible thing. The fire touched the people in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says 3,000 people were saved. In Exodus, 3,000 died, but in Acts, 3,000 get saved. This is an incredible reality for you and I. And I want to remind us that in this moment, as the fire falls down upon the people of God, He calls out a bunch of nervous, unqualified men and women. He pours out His Holy Spirit upon them. He pours His fire upon them. Uh, somebody once said this incredible quote. He said, the church was birthed in drunkenness. Because it appeared like they were drunk. It says it looked like they were drunk. So the quote says, the church was birthed in drunkenness. Comma, and they've spent the last two millennia solely sobering up. When actually we were not called to be respectable, not called to have been and tidy. We were called to understand the fire of God. To, uh, that, I want to tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm unapologetic. I need the touch of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because left to my own devices, I want to keep things controlled. I want to keep things safe. I want to keep myself respectable. I want to put the dye over my sin. I want to put the hair dye over my, uh, my life. I want to put the hair dye over my future. And say, look, just, just mingle with the crowd when God says, no, I've called you to more. Roots of revival need to show now. Roots of your future. I, I, you see failure. You see that I see future. That's what God is calling us to. John Wesley said it this way. He said, how, they said, how do you preach, Mr. Wesley? Tell us your sermon preparation. And he said this, I set myself on fire and people come watch me burn. Oh, come on. What, a, what, a, what an amazing encouragement that this is what we're called to do. This is not some charismatic style. This is when the Holy Spirit, His person, comes upon us. You cannot shake it. You cannot move away from it. You can, cannot replace it. The Holy Spirit's touch upon your life will stir a fire fresh in you that you cannot quench. And I pray, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would stir up a holy fire for the name of Jesus in your soul. 
that actually your heart would burn, would burn within you. Did our hearts not burn when we walked with Jesus? We cannot just walk around just the same. We cannot just be tame. Let me tell you, I'm trusting for a wild church, not a stylistic wild, but a sense that dead people come alive. That is wild. That dead people come alive in our church. That broken people are made whole. That lost people are found. I, I, I love the fact that when we all have the story of Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. But before that, they didn't want him to come out. They didn't want their dead brother to come out because they said, don't, don't do that. Don't remove the stone, Jesus, because he stinks. He's been in there four days. The, the King James Version says, he stinketh. <laughs> and a lot of us are like that. We say, God, I want your touch on my life, but just not too radical. Because I don't want that thing exposed. I don't want to step out radically. I don't want to be uncomfortable because it stinketh. What will people think of that? When actually I'm telling you, when Jesus said, I don't care what it smells like. I don't care what it looks like. I'm telling you that day when Lazarus came out, it wasn't this shy and retiring guy. How's it guys? What's up? What have you guys been doing for the last four days? No, he came out, there was shrieking. There was screaming because a dead man came alive. I tell you, we as a church are people who celebrate dead things coming alive. We are a people who celebrate when God moves because we are a people who are birthed in fire. Secondly, we were birthed for mission. The church was birthed for mission. I love the fact that the fire falls on on them, the 120 gather in the upper room. It falls on them, but the fire falls in the upper room, and the very next thing it does, it says says the Holy Spirit, then they left the upper room and went into the streets. This wasn't about a church gathering. This wasn't about a church style. Let's just... All gather and let's encounter God and they'll be so wonderful. Holy huddle, sing kumbaya till the end comes. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit came to get them out that room, get them moving in the streets. He gave them the, the, the gift of tongues in a moment to speak in different languages. Not, to, not just for their own enjoyment, but actually for mission. To get them moving, to get them radically stepping out. And this is the incredible thing. They were given a mission. And we see before this Peter, uh, uh, an empty man, a man who was at the very epitome of dyed hair, if I can stretch that metaphor. He was a man who was stepping out in faith and then all of a sudden gets confronted with Jesus being arrested. And he th- slaps on the die and says, who me? Not me. Couldn't be. Then who? Just like, what? Like, what? like who am I? Who, are you with him? No, 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 no. Different guy. Different guy. Put the die on. Relax, relax, relax. Not me, guys. I'm not being, and he just slowly moved into the background, slowly, slowly disappearing, and he thinks that's the end of my story. But then the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter, and that same guy, same guy with the anointing of the, he had his shame upon him, but then the shame was moved. He said, I see, you see your shame, but I see your future. The Holy Spirit fell upon this man, and then this man steps up amongst the other disciples, and he preaches a sermon that 3,000 people get saved and turns the city upside down. Same man. This is what God wants to do. We are birthed for a mission. And I say it again and again. I think the, the greatest loss of the last two years for the church, I don't think actually was community. I think it was mission. Community is so important, but community does not exist towards itself. Community, we gather so that we can go on mission. And I think a lot of our worlds got very small because we forgot what we were called to do. And we were saying, when will we be able to gather again? When, and those things, I love gathering. I love this. I love this. I love this. But we gather with a purpose. To see people get saved. To see our lives. We'll get uncomfortable so that people get saved. Why? Because this is what Jesus does. Jesus says he came to seek and save the lost. And I think the problem is that the church is lost because it's trying to seek the saved. 
The church is lost because it's trying to just, what, what style? What style do you like? How do we do the music, this thing? And I'm going, I don't care. I could do a church under a tree, but I'm doing, I'll do everything I can. I will make sure we have a great venue. We will serve great coffee so we can host our city well so that, so that someone might stay, get connected to someone, might hear the word of God and find salvation. I love the fact that we get to do with faithful people here who remind that we are birthed for mission. You see, I talked about that man, John Wesley, and I love the man, John Wesley. He's this preacher and, and he's and, and, uh, from centuries ago. And in his diary, this is how John Wesley, who's now venerated in the church worldwide, this is how he was treated when he was preaching. His diary says this, Sunday, 5th of May in the morning, preached at St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m., 5th of May, preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. <laughs> Sunday 12th of May in the morning, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday in the morning, May 19th, preached in St. Somebody Else's Church. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday in the p.m. of May 19th, preached on the street. They kicked me off the street. Sunday the 26th of May, preached in Meadow. Chased out of Meadow as bull was turned loose during service. Sunday, 2nd of June, preached out there at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday, 2nd of June in the night, in the, in the afternoon, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. I'm like, I'm like I, I don't care about the venue. I don't care what, I just say, God, give me a bunch of faith-filled people who have experienced the touch of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, we can turn the city upside down. We, a hard city, broken city, divided city. No, 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 revival city. Revival City. This is what we are called for. I, I tell you again, I, I know I'll go over my time here, but I want to tell you, Life Change Century City, if you are new to the story, we started this, this church in a high school hall that was told, that we were told, that is a graveyard for churches. Yeah, I know. Graveyard for churches. They said, because so many churches came into that hall and died and did not exist again after a while, because it was hard work. And what should have been a death knell for us, should have scared us off, should have gone, oh, then let's not, strategy says, let's not go there. I just was so grateful that I said, oh, we get just to get to follow Jesus and go into graveyards and call dead things alive. And we, we, that's what we do. That's what we do. We've been in high school halls. We've been in, in, in venues that were up st st staircases around the back of church uh, school that we had to drive across tennis courts to get to. We were the hardest church in the city to find. If you could find us, you could join us. Like, where are they today? We don't know. We were kicked out because of a school play. But, but actually, all of this journey went to a primary school, and God is so faithful, so kind along this journey, doing different things in us. This venue is such a blessing. But I'm telling you, God is just setting us up for the start of our story. I'm so grateful for our history. But I tell you, I see, you see your history, but I tell you, God says, I see your future. And God is adding you. If you're new to the story, I believe God is adding you here. He's brought you here for mission. For mission. Because this is our roots. Thirdly and finally, your roots are this. Your birth in fire. We were birthed for mission. Thirdly, we were birthed for Jesus. The church was birthed for Jesus. And I unapologetically pray that you and I will fall in love with Jesus more than ever before. I love Jesus. Maybe it sounds so bizarre for a preacher to say it, but I've heard so many sermons around the world these days that are venerated as great sermons. I'm like, yeah, but where's Jesus? Tell me about Jesus. Don't tell me what you can do. Tell me what he can do. Because what man can do is build a tower to heaven. And Genesis 11 says, look how great we are. And God can dismantle that like this. But in Acts 2, when we see when God moves, boom, the spirit comes out. And everything is changed forever. I want to tell you, this is his church, not ours. This is his idea, not ours. This is his purpose, not ours. This is his people, not ours. This is his city, not ours. 
And actually, He gets to name us. I started saying it's the Father's prerogative to name things. I want to tell you, it's the Father's prerogative to name your life. He wants to step in where you have named your life failure, sad, depressed, anxious, defeated, frustrated, sick. I don't know. And that, that will be the headline of my life. I'm not saying deny those things, but I'm saying actually hear the vo- voice of the Father beyond those things. He says, I'm the Ben and I who steps in, the son of suffering who knows your pain. I'm closer than your hands and feet. I'm acquainted with grief, but I'm also Benjamin. I'm also the greater Benjamin, the son of authority, the son of the right hand of the Father who wants to call you through that. And this is amazing thing. When God calls us church, the word church means ecclesia. Ecclesia, which means called out ones. The ones that he has called out. The ones that he has called to himself. The ones that he has named. So today I tell you and I come out of hiding. I tell you, stop covering up what you were made for because he is not looking for palaces. He's looking for mangers. He's not looking for people with a pedigree. He's looking for people with accessibility. This is what God is looking for because before God fills cities, God always fills people. Before God fills buildings, He always fills people. And I'm trusting today that we would have a touch of the Spirit of the living God deep, deep, deep in our souls before our new season because I believe that God is going to fill that building seven Edison Way multiple times over. Beyond our capacity, beyond what we can control, beyond because why the church was birthed in fire for mission, for Jesus. Not for us, not for our comfort, not for what we like, our preference, but for Him. We'll do everything to serve His agenda. But I want to tell you, God says, before I do that, I want to fill my people. I want to fill my people because I want to use you in this journey. So why don't we stand to our feet today as we land. Let me tell you that God loves to fill empty things. We're people who always say, I, 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 I want... God will move in my life when I get things together, when I'm feeling a bit more full of joy, when I feel full, when I get a new job and I'm full of purpose, when I've got a new relationship and I'm full of excitement, when there's a full prospect ahead of me. God says, no, I don't need your fullness. I need your emptiness because I fill empty things. He says, I make weak things strong. He says, I make humble things lifted up. I make hungry things filled. This is the very nature of God. He says, I make dead things come alive. Our only strength is that we once were dead, but now we're alive. And I think God wants to do that afresh in us. Today I land by saying it again. You see bones, God says, I see an army. You see graves, He says, I see a garden. He says, you see seas, I see highways. He says, you see failures, I see futures. I want to tell you, you see a hard, broken, divided city. He says, I see revival city. He wants to do it in and through us, His church. And the church... Christ was born as the Holy Spirit fell upon them and he wants to fall upon us afresh right now why don't we lift our hands as the people of God the called out ones and as we lift our hands we do this not as a as a as a symbolic gesture no but as something agreeing with heaven's naming rights saying God you get to name my marriage you get to name my health you get to name my destiny you get to name my emotions you get to name who I am and who I've called to be. And I thank you right now, Father God. I pray, Father God, there's a maturing in us to let go, to let go of 
the, the, the fear of man, to let go of what people speak over us, to let go of, 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 being, of being insecure. I thank you, God, that we step through that. We come out of the shadows. We, we take off the dye in a sense, and we say, God, the roots are showing. Roots of revival are burning in us afresh. We were birthed in fire. We were birthed for mission. We were birthed for you, Jesus. I thank you, Father God, with hands lifted up. I thank you, Father. I pray over my friend Simon Shlabush. I thank you, Father God, over this season. I declare, Father God, his season was not dictated by his health, his dad's health. No matter, I thank you, Father God, his future in the season is dictated by a Father in heaven who names it. I thank you, Father God, for that. I thank you, Jesus, for that. I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father God. I pray right now for Jono. I thank you, Father God, his future, John Hannah, is not determined by a diagnosis of a doctor, good or bad, it is determined by the hands of a father. And I thank you, Father God, when everything inside wants to say, Ben or nigh, we choose to hear your voice that says, son of authority, son of my right hand. I thank you, Father God, for everybody in between, in, in, in whatever season we're in, new seasons, old seasons, I pray for a freshness to flow. I thank you, Father God, you brought Sharon out of her sick bed downstairs to put it back upstairs God to pour your spirit out afresh because you said I see future I thank you Father God for every single son and daughter in this room lift your hands as high as you can let's honor the Holy Spirit I can preach I can sing I can dance I can try whatever I want but God is the one who moves so right now why don't you lift your voice church ask God say Holy Spirit fall upon me Fall upon me, fall upon me, fall upon my business, fall upon my marriage. He loves to fill empty things. Offer him your emptiness. Offer him your weakness. Offer him your humility. Offer him where you, your deficit. Say, God, I am not enough, but you are more than enough. And I thank you, Father God, as hands are lifted, raised. I thank you, Father, for the, spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father God. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. We do not need any other mediator except Jesus Christ. He's the one who gives the sins, the spirit to the church. He's the one who gives it to us for our, for our life and godliness, everything that we need. We've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. I pray, Father God, revive. Burn, 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 burn in our hearts. Wreck us for anything less. I thank you, Jesus, that we are people of the spirit because we are people of Jesus. And you get to name us. Not a style, not a theological leaning, but actually what Jesus declares over his church. So I thank you, Father God. Pour out your spirit upon us. Revive that which is dead. Strengthen the weak knees that give way. I thank you, God. Envision the people who've lost vision. I thank you, Father God. You call out dead things right now. Dead things come alive. Lazarus come forth. I thank you, Father God. We call our hearts. We speak to us. We set ourselves on fire right now. By the power of your spirit and people come watch us burn. I thank you for this Jesus. I thank you, Father. That was an amazing sermon. If you would like to find out what your next step is, why don't you go to our website, lifechanges.org.za or follow us on social media to find out about what is happening in the life of our church. Life Changes Church, we love you. Have an amazing, amazing week.